fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, Let's it fly, and Kyle Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep three's got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Emerson. Chris, how's it going? Status quo as a Wolves fan. Right, yeah, it's a, it's about par for the course. And uh, uh, I'm also joined by Jared Good. Jared, how you doing? I uh, feel like a broken record sometimes, but yeah, you know, we're, um, we're doing good. I mean, I mean, I think me and Chris are both... You know we're do- we're doing good, but uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to to kind of go break some of this stuff down. But we're going to do it anyways because we follow the Timberwolves, and that's what we do on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so we had the Positivity Podcast last week after we beat the Pelicans. Then we went on the road to face Golden State. We were hoping to have Cat and or D'Lo back for those games. Didn't get D'Lo back, or either of them back, for the Golden State games. Uh, Andrew Wiggins played pretty well, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, D'Lo did come back tonight, but it didn't really matter uh, as the as the uh, 76ers who, you know, honestly... They're, I mean, they're a good team. I mean, obviously, they, they have the best record in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, so, so I mean, you can't expect the Wolves to come out, particularly D'Angelo Russell uh, coming off of a, a long absence to play out of his mind. But I, I think... So so let's go like this. We'll start we'll start with you Jared. What did you think of the Wolves effort tonight um against the 76ers cuz they they were actually up early but then things all kind of disintegrated in the third quarter. What what did you think of the Wolves effort tonight? Yeah, so so I actually I'm going to bring a little bit more positivity than I kind of expected to myself, but at the end of the day you're asking a veteran guy like Ed Davis to guard an MVP candidate in in Joel Embiid, and that's just not going to work out. And then you're having a rookie, or a, I mean, he's technically not a rookie, but a, a second year guy who didn't have much of a rookie season in Vanderbilt, who's way undersized, trying to guard an MVP caliber player, and it's it's that's just not going to work out. And I thought the effort in the first half wasn't bad. I mean, at one point Embiid was two for 10, but we just followed them too much. I think Ed Davis had five fouls. Vanderbilt had five fouls. McDaniels had three. I mean, that's just going to put a guy like Joel Embiid on the line too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And Chris, what what did you think of the Wolves tonight and their effort level and, and facing a good Sixers team? You know, I mean, it, we started out all right. I mean, it's just like we have with the last couple Golden State games. I don't know if it's we're really turning a corner defensively as a team or if uh, teams just aren't taking us seriously and just figure they can put us away in the second half. But I think we held them to like one for 16 start. Um, Golden State wasn't much better the other game. But like Jared said, I mean, we just 
This is almost the worst possible matchup team for us. I mean, they've got size at every position. We had a Kogi guarding uh, Tobias Harris, or maybe, you know, sometimes it was Anthony Edwards who got his first start, which was good to see, um, guarding him. Not to mention, obviously, Embiid was just a bully. Um, we're just outmanned, outgunned. Um, the one thing I did take out of the game, though, or I took a couple interesting things out. You know, the first probably 10 points we had were all on mid-range shots. Um, I thought that was strange. Anthony Edwards' first two shots, uh, he he decisively stepped in from the three-point line and hit a mid-range shot. D'Lo did what he did. He hit a mid-range shot. Um, but the first five, I think, were all mid-range. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we just got beat up. They were bigger, stronger, faster. Um, they shot 38 free throws. We shot 18. Hard to win a game when that happens. That's true. That, that's absolutely true. So like you mentioned in that, uh, for the first time all season, Anthony Edwards did start. He uh, played 29 minutes tonight, uh, 15 points, uh, 5 for 13 shooting, uh, 3 for 7 from downtown. Uh, let's start with you, Chris. What did you think of Anthony Edwards' start uh, play tonight uh, from, from the starting position? You know, the thing that I've loved about Anthony Edwards all year is he brings, well, he's had, he had a couple down games, I think. After, after that San Antonio game, it seemed like it got in his head a little bit. But almost every game, he brings the same energy. Um, like he said in his post-game uh, talk when, they, when he went, what was it, five for eight for threes the other day, um, they asked about how it felt with his shot falling. And he, he almost seemed confused. He's like, well, my shot feels the same every game. Like, I shoot it the same every time. Um, and he does. He shoots it just as confident every time, just sometimes I go in and sometimes I don't. Um, it look, He looked good out there. W- one thing that I noticed, a little thing that, uh, you know, is, I don't know, inside basketball kind of stuff, but uh, D'Lo was uh, – Curry, Curry was running through the – running through the – defense on a on you know trying to get mixed up in the in the shuffle and get get open for a three on the other side and uh edwards saw it coming and he dropped back and just kind of bumped curry as curry came through a little bit and then got back to his man one of those things that you don't you know isn't in the box score but just shows like defensive awareness and that slowed down curry enough where delo could catch up and i think it ended up in a jumper that curry hit anyways but that's the kind of little things that we have to start doing as a team. Um, but I love to start, you know, I love his energy. Um, I think he fell in love with his, with a jumper a little bit too much this game opposed to taking it to hole. But again, when you've got a seven foot two Joel Embiid in there, I understand. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jared, what did you, what did you think of uh, Anthony Edwards and his start tonight? Yeah, so so I think Anthony Edwards is, has kind of been um, the same player since the last time we've talked. I, I haven't really noticed anything a whole lot different. You know, he's pretty much, uh, you know, 5 for 13 almost every night, 5 for 14. Sometimes he gets a hold of a good game and the shot's fallen. My biggest thing with Anthony Edwards is, he, and we talked about this before, like he can get to the hole at will. And, mm-hmm. and that's a big thing. So... And, and I kind of lobbied for Edwards to start, um, and I was kind of happy to see it just because, 
You know, like moving forward, I'm pretty much almost done with Josh Okogi. Like, and, yeah. and I hate to say it because I, I was a big Josh Okogi guy because he likes to play defense, and, and that's something that we absolutely need on this team. But, like, I would much rather just go top heavy starting instead of trying to split the I, instead of trying to split the the talent between the bench and the starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but but with Anthony Edwards, like if he starts finishing at the, at the rim, he's already an above average player and he's a rookie. So so I think that's my promising take for Anthony Edwards. My downfall is is he's not finishing at the rim and it kind of makes him inefficient at times. To talk on Josh Okogie. I was going to mention this earlier or later. He, like, I, I know a couple podcasts ago, I said he brings so much on defense and so little on offense. I, in the last eight games, he's only had one game that he's made two field goals. Jeez. I mean, two games ago, he played 16 minutes and he, and he didn't even take a shot. Didn't even take a free throw. Didn't even take a shot. I mean, he is so frightened to put up a shot. Like, there's guys like Rubio. I get it. That, I mean, and Rubio's having by far his worst. I don't know what's going on with Rubio this year. And as a huge Rubio guy, that's a whole nother story. But Rubio will at least, you know, put up a shot. Try, yeah. I mean, he absolutely won't. I mean, it's like. I don't get it. It's it's so it's almost like Chuck Knobloch throwing a first base right now. Like it's so much in his head that he just he just won't do it. Um and he's gonna play himself out of a position, which stinks because we don't have like the next best guy is Jared Culver. And geez, man, that guy has been pretty terrible too. I mean, he only shoots within six inches. So I don't know. It, we we've got a we've got a talent drought. And and something like 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 Chris was saying like like one player that I want that I want to just point out um, like if we were to move um, Edwards into the starting lineup like like Layman has the ability to shoot the ball and and he's shooting like two three times a game like and, and I'm not a big Layman guy but like. Our our second unit's gonna be bad no matter what we do. Like it's gonna be one of the worst second units in the entire league. Mm-hmm. But I think that if we put Edwards into the starting lineup and move Okogie to the bench, um, you can bring him in, in situational stuff when you need when you need defense. But like, there's a guy like Layman that knows how to score, and he's he's done it before. Um, and maybe he can find himself because he's just as lost as Okogie and and Culver and some of the rest of these bench guys that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. And just a point on a coach. It's the, the thing with the Timberwolves is they have so many guys that are inefficient or are either underperforming or afraid to shoot. Like, okay, let, let let's look at the roster. Ricky Rubio, a play afraid to shoot. Jared Vanderbilt, he can't shoot free throws. All he's good for is around the rim. Josh Okogie, he's afraid to shoot. Like he he rarely ever shoots. So we have so so Jared f- Culver. Yeah, Jared Culver. He might attack the rim and have a cool dunk every so often, but other than that, I mean, n- no real no real production out of Ed him. Davis. Yeah, Ed Davis. Yeah, he's and there's times all those guys are on the court together, damn near. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's what makes you. That's what makes you. You know, start to slowly fall in love with a guy like McDaniel's because not only does he play defense, but he's not afraid to shoot. Like he's gonna let it fly when he gets a shot to. Yeah, 
And I, yeah, and I feel like right now with this open offense, you can you just a, anyone who who is not afraid to shoot. Like I, the when I watch other teams play, I, I'm just like, man, I wish we had that guy. Man, I wish we had that guy because they're scorers. They know how to go how to go after the basket and uh, and step up and take shots. Like, okay, let, let's take a look at, at the 76ers tonight. I'd love to have. I mean, okay, obviously Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons, but Seth Curry, I'd love to have someone like that who can shoot threes and, and make plays. Uh, Milton. Orkmaz. Yeah. Shake Milton. I mean, <laughs> there's, like all of those guys we just mentioned are better than the players that we're bringing in off the bench. I totally agree. I totally agree. Now, something that I, I'm looking at the box score of this game, and McLaughlin, or McLaughlin, he only got in four minutes, and he was playing so well in the Warriors game. Uh, and I want to get your opinion on this. I would now. I know we're 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 paying Ricky Rubio seventeen million dollars, but for seventeen million dollars, what did he give us tonight? Four points, four assists, two rebounds. Great, great job. I, I, I'm almost, I'm almost in in the frame of mind to give some of Ricky Rubio's, or if not, maybe not all, but a good amount of Ricky Rubio's minutes to Jordan. What, what do you guys think? What, what do you, what do you think, Jared? Yeah. So, so I was actually going to talk about this as well, and and I know this is kind of a situational thing, but I was surprised to see. Jalen Noel get run before Jordan McLaughlin yeah, tonight. Yeah, I, I get that 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 Noel is is more a shooting guard caliber player than McLaughlin is, and so I, I mean I get why it happened, but I was kind of frustrated to see J Mac not get minutes. I mean, I mean he's played well in his role, and I know I we can revert back to uh, that some something that uh, we talked about in the last podcast. People were asking, would you rather have? Jeff Teague or Ricky Rubio, and mm-hmm. my answer was neither. I'd rather go with J Mac because he's on a super friendly deal and he's productive. Right. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Should some of Ricky Rubio's minutes go to Jordan, or or should should the, should uh, Jordan even go up on the depth chart over Rubio at this point? So it's tough. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's hard because. Rubio has 10 years of very consistent play where you where you know what you're going to get, and there's almost never a time where you didn't get that. I mean, even like we've said multiple times, a couple months ago in the bubble, he was one of the better players in the bubble. So I don't... I don't know what's going on with him. Um, right. I think, I think if we want to be a winning team... We need to have Rubio playing at that level like he was. Um, and I think there's almost no reason to believe that he won't get back to that level because it, it doesn't make sense for him to have fallen off this hard in four months. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to J-Mac, you know, this is a Rosas thing to me, and and I'm going to bring it into different levels. So... When you're a two-way player, I think you can only be with the team for 45 days um, on your two-way contract. So right now, um, they announced the, or you know, a week ago, they announced the rosters for the Iowa Wolves that are going down to the bubble, and J Mac wasn't on that roster. So a lot of two-way guys aren't because 
you're not going to be able to test in and quarantine out and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But J-Mac is playing pretty consistent with us. Um, I think the reason why McDaniels or why Noel played and even why Hagen's played for a little bit in that Golden State game is either because we're going to have to set J-Mac down for a period of time just because he can only play 45 days or can only be on the roster for 45 days. Um, so I think maybe we're going to have to have Noel be our third point guard for a while, which is scary because he, I mean, he has almost zero point guard skills when I see him out there. I mean, it, there was a time in the game today that really pissed me off when it was Rubio was out on the court and Noel was running the offense and it was just trash. Um, and same thing happened when Beasley was running the offense one time when D'Lo and Edwards were out there and he ended up just throwing it into the stands. Um, we need to have our roles figured out. But, yeah, I don't know. I love McLaughlin I, or McLaughlin. I love the kid. He can play. He plays hard. Um, I mean, that's his best skill set is he just plays hard. I think he has a role on the team, and I think he has a long-term role. So either either we're, we're not playing him or we're, or we're playing um, – we're playing Noel because he's going to have to take over the third point guard role, or it's very possible that we're going to sign, um, uh, sign J Mac to like a full deal, like halfway through the season or something. Um, when we make some trades, I don't know. There's something going on with that third point guard that that's not quite all out in the table. I don't think. Okay. Yeah, and that that's actually it's good that you mentioned that because I I did not know that about that forty five day thing uh, that uh, that uh, that McLaughlin is on. But yeah, I, personally, like I I don't want to shake his confidence too much. And I, yes, I know he was coming out of the bubble. He didn't get uh, he was out of shape, self admittedly with quarantine. But if I'm Ryan Saunders and I want to win now, I feel like you got to give Jordan more run, and I feel like you 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 decrease uh, Rubio's minutes. Although I will say D'Angelo Russell wasn't great tonight necessarily. I mean, one for seven from three isn't getting it done, and three for eleven from the field. But I feel like you got to have uh, D'Angelo Russell out there at least for for a scoring option, and you just just let him let him do his thing and, and figure it out that way. Uh, but uh, let, let's kind of let's kind of move backwards. Let's talk about the two. Um, the, the two uh, Golden State games, particularly the second one, Anthony Edwards had a very good showing um, against. It really seems like he he knew that he was on prime time and he knew that he he knew that he uh, he wanted to show out for uh, for prime time and go up against James Wiseman. But to his credit, James Wiseman had a good game as well, and someone else who had a good game, and, and we got to talk about it. Um, who really had a two good game? Two good games. He was a plus twenty three in the second one. Uh, Andrew Wiggins. What what was it like for you guys? Kind of watching Wiggins once again on a different team and uh, seeing him. I, I felt like he was really in control of his body. He really seemed to attack the basket well, and it seems like he he really could score at, at will. I mean, he didn't take too many shots, but let's start with uh, you, Chris. What, what did you think of, of Wiggins and, and seeing him kind of play efficiently? Um, I don't know. Seemed like Andrew Wiggins. He had about five 
minutes where he's unstoppable, you know, the game. And then he has about seven minutes where you forget he's on the court. And then he's got about five minutes where he's decent. You know, I mean, that's, that's Andrew Wiggins. Um, the, the press is in love with Andrew Wiggins right now, mainly, I think, because, you know, coast bias. They want Golden State to be this amazing team and they love him, so they hype him up. But, I mean, if you look across the board, Andrew Wiggins' stats are identical to what, you know, to what he was when he was here. I mean, he's not doing anything really different. Shooting is three a little bit better, but it's still early. Um, his D defense might be a little better, but I mean, he should, his defense should be better because he has, he's a third, third option on offense. So he doesn't have to try as hard. I mean, he's solid. He's a solid player. What I do want to talk about was my fire call. My, my flaming hot take of Nas Reed is going to be better than Wiseman in these games. And I'm telling you, Nas Reed gave them everything that they needed. Nas, the first game, double-double with two blocks. Wiseman went for 13 points and four rebounds. Um, and I think almost all of his buckets came in blowout time for Wiseman, so I don't even count those. In the second game, Nas went for 19 points, seven rebounds, three steals, and five blocks. Um, Wiseman did get 25 points, but only six rebounds and two blocks. But those 25 points were kind of skewed because he went three for three from three, like, right away, which, yeah. again, he's making the shots, so that's good. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he also I'm stayed not going to say – I'm not going to say – the floor um, uh, when, when the Warriors were up by 20 in that game, in the second game. So he, exactly. he, got, he got late run again in that game as well. That's what, that's. I mean, that's how he's kind of padding those stats. But I think Nas – Nas was a, out of those two games. Nas Reed was the guy that I took out that said, you know, we found something now. Like, it's, he's now, Nas Reed has now established himself as a quality big man that's going to be full time rotation. And if we're not playing him 20 to 25 minutes a game, we're doing something wrong. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with that. And something that something that we have to mention: Edwards' dunk uh, on Wiseman. I mean. Where and we'll go with you, Jared. What uh, where do you think in in a famous and I know they were talking about this on the on the broadcast. Where do you think in terms of famous Wolves dunk? Where do you think uh, Edwards' dunk on Wiseman ranks up there? Yeah, so I actually I actually caught the pregame telecast, which is is not something I normally do. I was at work, but I had some stuff to do downstairs, so I got to turn the TV on and 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 watch some of the pregame broadcasts with uh, Rachel Brunson and uh, or Rebecca Brunson and I think it was maybe Rachel Bannum I can't remember but um, anyways they uh, they were they were talking about the top Timberwolves dunks and they went through the thing my favorite dunk ever is still to this day the Corey Brewer one and and, and that's and I'm not a, a Brewer guy but that was that was my favorite poster dunk that I've ever seen but I definitely think it ranks top top five I mean it was a pretty pretty substantial dunk yeah and uh chris what, what do you think where do you think that ranks um the the edwards dunk ranks i mean it was good i mean i loved so one thing that i love doing is listen to the, listening to all the post-game talk and did you i don't know if you guys caught it but what edwards said about it they opened up the the interview with it and i think it was um 
John Krasinski says, you know, so how did it feel to get that dunk? And Edward's like, and it could have been an act, but looked at him confused. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, the big dunk. He's like, oh, yeah, man. I mean, I can dunk. Like, he's like, yeah, I mean, it's no big deal. It's just a dunk. Um, but, yeah, it was good. I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, it, it was more fun because we're starving for entertainment from the Timberwolves right, right now. So anything is hyped up. Um, one thing I didn't know is him and Edwards talk like all the time, or him and Wiseman talk like all the time. They're good friends. Um, I guess they've been good friends for a handful of years. So he did say it was kind of fun to dunk on his buddy. But uh, other than that, um, you know, that was about it. I mean, it was good. I mean, I remember one where Kevin Garnett caught it off a rebound, and he caught it, it was like at at his waist and like snatched it up to a dunk. That was maybe one of my favorites. This is like young KG time. Yep. Um, is a baseline play. Um, I remember a bunch of posters that I think Wiggins did one or two. One of them was even was bad. Was really nasty on a. Uh, on um the stifle tower what's his name uh can't uh, think of it go, go bear yeah go bear go bear um that was nasty yeah there's been some good dunks you know and i'm sure there's been some fun ones back in the day with uh with doug west and stuff too but mm-hmm. what uh, the the one the one that sticks out for me was garnett's when he, he this he's his second his, his second run here and uh and the one i think he's just come back and Rubio the, dropped it back to him. Yeah, yeah. Rubio drops it to him, and he goes, "What was it? Bla- was it Blake Griffin that he went over?" Yep. Yeah, Blake mm-hmm. Griffin, and then him and Cat just went nuts. I think. Um, yeah. I think uh, Towns or uh, Garnett got a technical for it at the end of it, but that that's one that I remember. That you know what's weird? That almost feels like the good old days. Like <laughs> even even though we we weren't in retrospect, we weren't that good a team at that point. It, it almost feels better than what we have now. Because <laughs> we were building, right? You know, we were building, and everybody thought we're up and coming, and and you know we've got so much potential in the future. And that's the crazy thing that people aren't remembering about this team right now. Like we are still the youngest team in the NBA, right? Like we, D'Lo and Cat have played together five, six games. We have a number one draft pick that didn't play for 10 months didn't play pick up didn't play summer league didn't play preseason basically didn't i mean we're still young and super inexperienced um i mean we'll see what happens like to think that this team should be great right now i mean i don't get it i just saw a thing on the telecast right now and and mind you we are we are without an mvp quality player i mean let's just put that out there so right. that right there is going to affect us. But right now, we've, we're playing the fourth hardest schedule in the NBA, they showed. And, of course, those win percentages are skewed because we lost all those games damn near. So um, that's going to skew it in the favor of the other team. But we're playing the fourth hardest schedule. So most of the teams that we played, we probably were going to lose or, you know, with Cat anyways. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we got to – we got to pump the brakes on all the Timberwolves hate right now. I mean, we don't, we're not working with a lot. Right. I, I think, I think that, uh, that this is kind of was my thought process tonight and without cat, I don't know that we can beat the Pistons right now. Like we're that bad. Like we're, we're not going to beat anybody. I mean, and we won't be projected to beat anybody. 
in, in, for, in terms of like looking at like spreads and lines and all that, we're not going to be projected to beat anybody. But even with Cat, we're probably a 500 team. And I think that's something that, that we need to embrace and, and, and stop thinking that mm-hmm. we're going to make the playoffs. Because I think that's we, – we all had this envision that we were going to be great because we got Cat and Deedle playing together and we got this number one pick that's super raw. But it's just – the chemistry isn't there. And like Chris said, with, with no off season early, with, with all the COVID stuff, that's a big thing for a young team. So – I think I think if we can get Cat back and we can go 500 for the rest of the year, I don't think I'd hang my hat on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we can get Cat back, uh, kind of build some momentum going forward, and like like I said, so so I did a prediction video on this very channel earlier in the year, and I said the Wolves would go. 37 and 35 basically a 500 team and i i did yeah. i did have them at the as the eight seed and a little better than than uh the trailblazers which i mean that takes not looking too good but um yeah i, I like like i said i think we knew going in that we were about a 500 team we just we we need cat back and healthy uh okay so so one question that i just thought of and uh, and i would love to hear your guys' take on this so remember the year that d'angelo russell took the took the nets to the playoffs right and he he was basically the main guy i mean you had spencer dinwiddie jared allen there too but he he was basically the the main guy so what what do you guys think what was different between like that nets team that where d'angelo russell was the main guy and they even made the playoffs and this team now with d'lo being the main guy and not even looking competitive do you, any opinion on that jared or yeah, so so I think my biggest bite back response would be that Spencer Dinwiddie is a pretty damn good player. Right. He has been extremely uh, unfortunate with injuries almost his whole career, and he's I think he's injured again, and because uh, he hasn't played all year. But yes, but this this uh, this kind of like bites back into the the Rubio working with D'Lo talk because that's another guy that can handle the ball. And D'Lo was the primary point guard and then when he could play the one and the two. But to me, Jared Allen's one of the most underrated players in the entire NBA. And I don't think he really gets looked at as much because he kind of split minutes with DeAndre Jordan. And now he gets kind of lost in the spin cycle with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think he went to, and now he just, you know, he's playing behind Drummond, but that dude's talented. I mean, he's a good center. I mean, he's, He's probably a top 20 center in this league, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the thing about that team was they were coached by, um, who was it, that Atkinson? Yeah, Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. Yeah, he he runs a lot of good good stuff. But here's the thing about D'Lo. And mind you, I do love D'Lo. I'm a big D'Lo fan. But D'Lo is a front runner. Like D'Lo's a guy that when you're doing well, he's doing even better. Like he's not a guy that when you're lo- when you're down by ten and the team's looking sluggish, he's gonna really dig deep and and you know do the extra things like that. That's not D'Lo, um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like tonight, D'Lo's a big confidence player, and if he if if the team isn't playing well, that's gonna kind of jump into his confidence. It does. It does. Like tonight when we were struggling in the beginning, just little things I see him do. Like he, 
I saw him shoot like this sideways fadeaway 20 footer when he was wide open. It was like a, uh, like a moving shot. I'm like, he could have easily just set his feet and just taken an easy shot. But he, I mean, he, he just kind of takes this sloppy kind of lackadaisical, whatever jumper. <laughs> um, he's a front runner. Um, so hopefully, hopefully when we start winning some games, he's going to get his swagger back and he'll start dropping those 30, 40 point games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all we need. But that team that he played on, you know, Levert was solid. Joe Harris was a shooter. Um, they had Jared Dudley. I mean, he's a solid, just veteran. Um, they had a lot of lot of solid guys on that team. And, and I think a handful of them had played there for a couple of years. So, I mean, they might have known their roles. I mean, that's something we've talked about quite a few times on this podcast is I don't think we have a player on our team that knows his role right now. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that that only happens with with repetition. You know, we got to get 30, 40, 50, 60 games under the belt with this same roster um, so guys can know where they fit in. I mean, we have guys that, you know, like Vanderbilt that wasn't even getting a lick of minutes. Now he's going to be a starter. You know, we have Rubio who looked like was supposed to be playing next to D'Lo. And now it's like that's never going to happen because that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we have guys like McDaniels that look like he was probably going to be in the G League, and now he looks like he's one of our five best players. Um, these guys don't know what the heck's going on. Edwards doesn't know. I mean, Edwards is probably the only guy that knows his role, and that might be a self-proclaimed role, um, and mm-hmm. that's just to, to put up shots. <laughs> right. And and one thing I did want to mention about that Brooklyn team, they did only go 42-40 and 40 and not in a – Sub subpar right. Eastern Conference, so it's not like they were world beaters. It's not like D'Angelo Russell led them to like the two seed or something like that. So yeah, the so, East, yeah, 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 in the East. So and, and then they then they lost uh, three. I'm looking at it three or four to one to Philly after that. Anyway, so it, it's not like so so it's not like they they completely lit the league on fire or anything. I think it was more for them. It was more of a pleasant surprise that hey we weren't expected to do anything and oh D'Lo and and Levert like you mentioned that was one guy I forgot to mention Levert uh, Jared Allen Spencer Dinwiddie um, kind of pl- oh, Harris yeah Harris uh, played played out of their shoes and and got it done so good good takes guys uh, yeah I, 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 I that that question just kind of came to mind and I kind of wanted to throw it out there uh, something that that I want to go to is um, so. We are one-fourth of the way um, through the season, and we kind of talked about this. Where, where, in your opinion, did you think the Wolves would be at, at, at this time going into the season? And we'll start with you, Chris. Where did you think the Wolves would be? Uh, how many games? Let's see, four and four. So 18 games into the season. Well, I knew when I looked at the schedule early, I knew that we had a really tough schedule um, to start. I mean, I know that the first handful of our games were almost all versus teams that were in the bubble, um, you know, or play in the bubble, and most of them were playoffs. Um, so I knew it was going to be tough. I was hoping to get through maybe this first group with maybe a little, like, I was like you, I wanted to be slightly over 500, kind of in that range, maybe right. 500. So, I mean, if 
you know, 20 games in, if we were, you know, had seven wins or eight wins, I would have been pretty happy with that. Um, but, you know, I wasn't expecting Carl Anthony Towns to be gone for all the games. Right. You know? um, so it's not what I expected, but I'll tell you what. You know, when you draft a guy number one and you don't really know who he is because he played on a bad college team and put up inefficient numbers, um, what I look for is just a guy that flashes like he can be a star. And this is something I know I talked about on the other podcast, but Mm -hmm. he's shown me that he has that flash. Like, will it happen? I don't know. But, um, you know, and and not to keep begging on Culver, but like when you watched Culver play last year, you didn't see those flashes like, man, he, he could be something. You know, Kobe White, on the other hand, like he had some really bad games for Chicago last year, but he had some games where he flashed and you're like, Oh man, that Mm -hmm. guy could be something. That's what I wanted to see. And that's what I've seen from Edwards. And what's crazy is I've seen that similar thing from from McDaniels. Like Mm -hmm. we might, we might've stumbled on to another guy. That's going to be an early rotation guy for us and be a, be a cornerstone. I mean, that kid Dude, I, I saw some stats come out recently because um, he's played enough games now where, where his stats like go on there on these stat websites where right. defensively he's like in the 97th percentile like in almost every category. And the kid the kid has, you know, range. He can put it on the floor. Um, he's going to be good. You know, the stuff what we found with uh, Vanderbilt, I mean, I think that – in this lost first quarter of the season, we have found two guys in McDaniel's and Vanderbilt and Nas, which I hope, which I think we knew, but Nas, who we, who have solidified themselves as pieces going forward. And with a roster like ours right now, that's what we need. We need to find out who we need to keep and who we need to move. Mm-hmm. And Jared, Jared, what do you think? Where do you think? Where did you think we would be eighteen games into the season? And I, I, I think it's it's obvious that we didn't meet whatever your expectations were. But what, where, where did you think we would be? Well, um, you know, we we have played some tough teams, but I think it's kind of an unfair question. I mean, we are missing our our guy. We are missing Cat. Like it's. That's a big deal. Like, he's played, what, four games, and we're 2-2 two and two with him? Well, hey, when we're talking that we think this team can be 500, that's exactly what we were all talking about this offseason. So it's not a horrible take to think that we could be 500. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're missing him. And and, and without him, we, we, we ain't winning, you know? So it, it just it kind of goes back to, like, you know, it's – you got to have your guy. Like you take, uh, and this is a, something I've said a few times because I don't think the Nuggets are all that great of a team without Jokic. But with Jokic, they're well. Last time I looked, they're the five seed. They might be even better than that now, and he's an MVP candidate. Right. As same with the Timberwolves. Right. Yeah. 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 And and it's 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 difficult for for Wolves fans because 
you, you want to be good so bad, but you know that the limitations of of your team that you that you have in front of you, and it's it's just it's difficult to to find a, a happy medium to be like, yeah, maybe they played better tonight. They still didn't get the win, but we can look forward to positives going forward. So I think we need to go to with Jared. Uh, we, he he's kind of a fantasy guru as of sorts. So who who are some guy? We'll kind of put our fantasy hats on here. Who are some guys? Guys that uh, that that you think uh, would be some good pickups this week for fantasy leagues. Well, um, one of my favorite guys that I've been looking at um, pretty much the past week. This is more of a deeper league thing. Um, so if you're in like dynasties or or teams, you know, like twenty team leagues or bigger leagues. Uh, but Austin Rivers has quietly been playing um, almost thirty minutes a game for the Knicks, which is which has kind of surprised me be, just because we know how much Tibbs likes to run his starters. But that dude comes off the bench and he plays uh, pretty efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, I, I know I said this last week, but but for as long as Donovan Mitchell's out, Joe Ingles has, has came into the starting lineup and absolutely been lighting it up. And that was one of the guys I talked about last week. Um, but but a lot of things like when you're looking at waiver wires with, with NBA, um, I think the the easiest thing to do is look at the players that have been injured and the then you start looking at the bench guys and think who could have an expanded usage. Like one of the guys that I was looking at tonight, if Embiid sat, was Tony Bradley because he, st- he started the second half uh, the last uh, game that Embiid missed. And, and that's kind of a situational thing, and, and that stuff won't always fall into your lap. But if you're looking for a quick, uh, um, quick one over on somebody – where you can get an extra game and you can sneak guys in like that. So, so my biggest thing is to pay attention to uh, to who's in and who's out, um, and then try and find try and find the value. Um, another guy like uh, like Reggie Jackson or Marcus Morris Senior for as long as Paul George and Kawhi are out with COVID protocols. I think they both played. I think they played tonight, but. Um, but when stuff like that happens, the usage rates change for every single player, and players run into more minutes. So I think that's my biggest take: is is look at who's uh, who's on the injury report for some of these teams, or or look at who is uh, on COVID lists because uh, that's mm-hmm. a real thing where they got to miss ten days, and you can pick up somebody, and he can stumble into a thirty minute game and have a decent amount of usage. One of the guys I did that with earlier in the year was uh, was. Uh, Neto from uh, the Wizards when when Westbrook was out for a little bit and it worked out well for me. So yeah, just pay attention to uh, pay attention to injury wires, to pay attention to uh, to uh, COVID protocols, and, and then just know if that player is is any good. You know, like right. like when we're talking fantasy, you almost have to know it front to back. So so that's my biggest take. There you go. They yeah, go ahead. One guy that I think people should keep an eye out for, um, kind of like your same take, talking about usage, is that Nikhil a- Alexander Walker for the Pelicans. I so, added him last week. <laughs> yeah, so did I. So with with Ball going out, um, you know, he he got some extended run. He put up like a thirty seven point game. Um, he's a guy that can get you, you know, handful of rebounds, handful of assists, and he and he was. You know he, he's a he's a solid guy, and now they're talking so much about trading ball um, because they want to get him run. That it's one of those guys. If you got you know you know a spot on your bench that you can stash him for a while because once once Lonzo Ball gets traded, um, 
that guy's going to be the hottest waiver wire grab out there. So you might want to try to jump the gun and get him a couple couple weeks early and let him sit there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good good advice, guys. Um, yeah, if you're playing uh, fantasy basketball out there, which I don't know, I was going to like uh, someone in our in our fan chat put out like, yeah, I'm starting the league or whatever, and then uh, nothing really came of it, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah. If you're playing, th- those are some good tips for you, and uh, use them use them to your advantage. So uh, we'll look forward to uh, the coming week. So the Timberwolves, their schedule kind of looks like this. They have two against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Fingers crossed, we can get a win in that one, and hopefully okay. we can we can get Carl Anthony Towns back. Then we have the Spurs and the Thunder. Correct, I believe, on Friday night. Yes. Yes. Let me. I don't have it looked up here. So we got the Did Cavs, you guys... Cavs, Cavs at Spurs at Thunder. So we have uh, the Cavs at home and then at the Cavs. So we actually start a uh, five game road trip after our home game against the Cavs. Okay. So moving forward, we're going on the road. Okay. Sunday versus the Cavs, Monday versus the Cavs, Wednesday at Spurs, Friday at Thunder, Saturday at Thunder. Okay. Well, honestly, I know we're on the road, but that that seems like a pretty favorable schedule, wouldn't you guys think? I mean, I mean, if you've got a full roster with Cat, right? If you don't, it's not <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it really it really boils down to that. Uh, so so we we did this last week. Let's let, let's end with a little positivity. What is uh, with the upcoming schedule? What is uh, one thing that the Wolves Wolves fans can watch and be be positive about uh, coming up in the upcoming games? And let's start with you, Chris. What's one uh, little bit of positivity that the Wolves Wolves fans can take? You know, I would say just the energy that Anthony Edwards brings every night. Um, just watching this kid develop, this is going to be something that very well, depending on what Rosas does, but very well could be, you know, a cornerstone for this team going forward. And he has all the ability to be an all-star if he wants. Um, and you're now on the ground level watching this kid play. So if you can watch him, depending what your TV provider is, um, <laughs> it, pay attention because – you know, this is a fun time where you could say, oh, yeah, that guy who's an all multiple time all star. I remember when I was watching him as a rookie. Um, this is those moments. Right. And uh, Jared, what, what do you think? What, what's a positive thing that Wolves can look for? Wolves fans can look for going forward to this next next uh, this week. Yeah, this is my favorite question of the night. Um, we get Carl Anthony Towns back. Right. I, mean, I think it's simple as that. We get one of the. Arguably, I mean, he's a top ten player in the NBA. He could be argued that he's a top five player in the NBA, and and people don't appreciate him because he gets lost in the land that is Minnesota. Right, that's a small market, and he doesn't get uh, magnified as much. But outside of outside of adding Towns, um, one thing uh, that I kind of wanted to pay attention to going forward is. And I know I've I've talked about this a million times, but what are we doing with our starting lineups? So now that we got the band back together, so what are things going to look like? Um, obviously, you're going to have D'Lo, you're going to have Beasley, you're going to have Cat. Um, so I'm looking at does Vanderbilt? 
like Vanderbilt has played pretty damn well in my opinion and then he didn't start tonight which I almost thought was kind of confusing um but I get why it happened because you're going up against a guy like Embiid and you need a bigger body but um especially with Nas out but what are we doing at the uh, three position? Is it still going to be Okogi, or maybe we just put the whole band together and we throw Edwards in there as well? Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the things that that I'm looking forward to um, coming up in the next few games is to see if our rotations change at all. See if Cat coming back adds any different rotational pieces. Mm-hmm. And Chris has got to have one thing to say here. What I would say. At the at the three, you know what my dream lineup right now for the Timberwolves is: D'Lo, Beasley, McDaniel's, Vanderbilt, Towns, because that gives us two long, lanky guys that can, you know, in Vanderbilt and McDaniel's that can guard the two, three, four, um, make up for a lot of guys' mistakes, and. McDaniels gives us some offensive punch too. He's not a complete dud out there. So uh, I would love to see that lineup. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but that's the lineup I want to see start. That does sound like a great lineup. And honestly, even if Cat, just if Cat comes back and the Wolves look, look halfway decent, and even if, let's say, they drop a couple games, I'll be happy. Like, I'll be fine with that. Like as long yeah. as as long as they're in games in the fourth quarter and showing some progress, I'll I'll be fine with that. I uh, my my positive thing that I want to talk about is, uh, you know, for for uh, and he, he's kind of had to step up a little bit because guys have been out, but Malik Beasley has looked pretty good, uh, recently. He's been shooting pretty well. He's been uh. He's he's been playing playing some pretty big minutes for the Timberwolves and hitting some shots. So I, I just you get to watch Malik Beasley hit some threes and and play pretty good defense. I mean, he said he wants to be an all defensive player, and and you've been seeing that. He's a stud. I mean, he's 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 got its faults, um, but he's also young. Like we're mm-hmm. looking at him like he's like he's a veteran guy. What's he? 24 or something like that 23 24 um he's he's a guy that i think rosas nailed um his contract is decent yeah uh he works hard he's out there on the i mean he's he's never taken a a, a playoff um i think he's a great addition and i think he's going to be here long term I, 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 I think i think that uh with beasley a, a one thing to pay attention to is so so i know they made a big thing um on the previous Wolves, uh, the Wolves pregame. Um, and they said that he's averaging 10 more points a game than he's ever averaged in his entire career, which is a super positive thing to see. But we've also had Cat and D'Lo out, so pay attention to see what his uh, usage rate changes into because it might be a little different this week, so that makes um, his defensive efforts even that much more important. But he's played absolutely brilliant, in my opinion. He has, yeah, and he's doing it on the defensive end as well, not just offense. I've really enjoyed what I saw from him. Well, I mean, this week, this week can only go better for the Wolves. I mean, so so we got that to look forward to. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for joining us, joining me this week. As always, always happy to chop it up with you guys for an hour. And I'm doing this stuff, so absolutely, absolutely. And Chris, thanks so much, thanks so much for being here again. Will do. 
Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe if you like what we do. And have yourself a fantastic week. And as always, go Wolves.